Good evening, everybody. My name is Brent Cedaram, and you are listening to another great conversation on the Zranu podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I sat down and had a good old-fashioned conversation with Ann Wilson, a longtime resident of Alberta's Bow Valley, where we chatted about her life as a gardener, turned criminal defense attorney, and sprinkled with some hard work in the political scene. For those of you that are local to the Bow Valley, we touched on some hot topics like affordability, the proposed TSMV development, and of course the current state of the provincial government because we just couldn't help ourselves. So grab a beer, grab a beverage, grab whatever you like, and we'll see you back here in just a few minutes. Enjoy the podcast. Wilson here with me. Uh, Anne and I uh, can have recently connected through uh, various political gatherings with the Alberta NDP, and uh, we thought it'd be pretty cool to get together and, and chat about a few things. So welcome to the podcast, Anne. Oh, well, I'm so glad to be here, and thanks for inviting me. Yeah, no problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so why don't you uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Obviously, I know that you've been a lawyer for quite some time, a criminal defense attorney, if I'm not right. mistaken. Yeah. Um, and then you've obviously been actively involved in the political scene, uh, notably with the ANDP, and and you you've ran for for public office a number of times. So, um, anyways, why don't you tell us how you started out to be a lawyer and what made you get into politics? Well, I. Um, like many people, I always kind of glamorized what a criminal defense lawyer would be like to be. Right. But I'm I'm here to tell you, it's that and even more fun. Um, I used to be a, a gardener. That was, you know, what I really loved doing. And I got so annoyed with uh, management at Parks Canada and, you know, just, you know, the boss in general right. that I um, I said, well, I, I'm going to take the time to beat these guys. And so I did. But I realized I had to stop being a gardener because they really hated me. So, <laughs> <Okay>. so I, <laughs> I got a settlement. But the way I got the settlement was. I had to get the the evidence of some of the, you know, bad things they were doing, which I did. And I realized that uh, getting the evidence was um, for a grievance, which is a quasi-judicial proceedings, was um, the key to what it is to um, uh, get ready for court. Like, you really have to have the goods. 
Okay. So I so I took that settlement and instead of putting it on my mortgage, which was you know it's always crushed me. <laughs> well, I uh, I uh, I went to law school, but I didn't just nice. go to law school. I had to get a degree. And then I had to go to law school, and it was like really nobody believed in me. Uh, except I had one friend who did. And on the strength of that, I just kind of ignored everybody. <laughs> nice. Hey, what, what did and, you do your degree in before law school? Uh, English, English. English, because okay. uh, it, it's funny. English and math, those are the two best degrees to have. Because for English, you have to um, be able to, uh, it, it's not really arguing, but you have to, um, you have to be able to articulate, but mm. math, you have to be logical. So, uh, you know, like one thing has to flow into another and it, it truly is exactly that. And, you know, I, I quit being a lawyer at Christmas cause I'm just going, you know, I'm the right age, you know, I should stop. And also in COVID, I really wanted my, um, my, my younger colleagues to, to get the work that I would get. Because, okay. you know, I don't really need the money anymore. But okay. um, I I got to tell you, it was the most fun ever. Nice. Uh, you know, just me and my client, like, beating the man. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it's it, be, because, as, as you can imagine, I didn't even realize this until I finished, that... Mm. Um, the typical clients that a lawyer would get in the Bow Valley, so like Lake Louise, Banff, Canmore, Exshaw, even uh, Cochrane, right. are um, they're usually young and poor, and they came here to be uplifted and love the mountains, make friends, have their first right. job, be independent, and then you know they do something maybe stupid, and then they're they're really all alone mm -hmm. and they don't have any money so that's why legal aid is the most brilliant program ever because it it paid me you know as long as you get enough files it paid me very nicely and it allowed me to you know help all of these mostly young people okay and you know it it's being young is not a problem but being poor is a problem and then sometimes people would be you know, substance addicted or, you know, mentally ill in some way or uh, often um, I would have racialized clients who uh, are, are sometimes disadvantaged. Right. And, it, you know, it was, you know, they were all very worthy uh, clients. So okay. a, a pleasure to get to know. Uh, we had a lot of fun. Um, I can't think of too many files where I thought I had left something on the table. Um, okay. So it was it was enormous fun. I started out wanting to be an environmental lawyer, but in Alberta, that is crazy <laughs> because there's never any clients who can afford you and where are you going to get your experience? And I would never want to work for, you know, like a developer or, you know, anyone like that, a large company. So 
that's so much fun. So, so that's, that's where I got a lot of my understanding of how um, poverty really works in the Bow Valley. Like it's one thing to be young and poor, but Mm. if, um, but if you want to stay here, you have to, you have to have some kind of, you have to have quite a good job Mm -hmm. or you have to have money. Um, and you know, talking about the three sisters, mountain village, uh, submissions, uh, we had so many and I, I watched a lot of them, but Mm -hmm. one in particular was, uh, Adam Lenard. Um, and he, he was talking about, well, you know, who, who benefits from, uh, the environment and you think well all of us do right it's for the Mm -hmm. public Mm -hmm. but he was saying well look around canmore right and i'm just going oh yeah it's it's really is a lot of white people Mm -hmm. and he said well that's because you really do have to be rich to live here and that means um it's it's easier to to have money when you're when you're white and the other thing he said you know it's not like there isn't racialized uh, albertans here but mm-hmm. a lot of them are in the background so mm-hmm. if you think about it uh we don't see too many people from morley in in canmore certainly not that live here not too right. many work here right, right um but of course uh Aboriginal Canadians are overrepresented in the justice system by, well, really way too much. Mm-hmm. And the other community that's racialized is uh, the Filipino community. Right. And say, they're often they're... in every hospitality job you can think of. Oh, hospitality, food service, any any sort of service industry, Anything. you know, they're very, it's, yeah. a, it's a very prevalent. Um, yeah community yeah. yeah for sure yeah so you know i i've because i had put in a submission I, you know obviously i really care about um wildlife corridors mm-hmm. um i realized oh you know there's another um thread to why the three sisters project is really flawed it right, right. i mean there's no way that that housing is affordable and it'll be even harder to to attain if you're working in hospitality, low wages, you know, even if you have three jobs, um, uh, you know, like it, that housing is just never going to be affordable. Well, and, and the interesting part about affordable housing that, you know, I, I actually thought a lot about since our last uh, debates, last conversation about it. <laughs> Um, you know, cause I lived, I was never an owner of those, the affordable housing on, on Palliser there. Um, and I mean, the prices oh, were yeah. kind of art- artificially set and they're yeah. kind of artificially set to never really appreciate to its true value because of just the nature of it. Right. Yeah. But, and, you know, I always thought in the background that these units and everything were to be built to try and, you know, mitigate the exponential growth of real estate value in the Bow Valley. Right. Yeah, and it never did. It never did, and it's never going to, because you know the real the real estate market is based on, you know, market value of like minded. I don't know if like minded is the right way, but 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 similar properties. So you're yeah. never going to compare 
a two-bedroom condo downtown to a two-bedroom condo at Palliser because one's affordable housing and the other isn't. Yeah. So, um, and, and this is where maybe you can, you can shed some light to me. So like TSMV, it's not really meant to be an affordable housing project, is it? It's just a development. Well, you see, that's where both? you get into my most favorite subject, which okay. is uh, rhetoric. I uh, mean, you can call something affordable, which is what Three Sisters is saying. I can't remember if it's 10 or 20% that they say of of their housing is going to be affordable. And of course that's in deep, scary air quotes because (laughs) I mean, what does um, a regular, I don't know, uh, cook make around here, maybe 20 bucks an hour. If that, depending on where you work. Yeah. If that, that, right. And so I don't even know what that, translates to a, a annual salary maybe 40,000 maybe you know like yeah just 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 over 40 if you're looking at 20 bucks an hour right yeah so yeah. what would be uh, a reasonable mortgage for a person who's a cook right yeah like, exactly i mean and there- Go ahead. Well, I, I was going to say there's a lot of the other factors to consider mortgage wise, but you know, I uh, I was looking at cost of living wage reports. Mind yeah. you, this was probably at a, about a month ago, and you know, for a single person living in the Bow Valley, and this was you know, sort of can more focus with a little bit of Banff in in it, but you're looking at around seventeen eighteen dollars an hour is the, right. is the is the living wage in Canmore right. now. Um, and then for a family of four, two adults, two kids, and a white picket fence was was twenty two dollars an hour. So you would think that a cook making twenty dollars an hour could make it in Canmore. Well, not but, buying a house, Brent. No, but just general living, though. Oh, okay. Because yeah, you'd have yeah. to have a heck of a down payment. <laughs> oh God, yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, if you're making forty grand a year, great. But if you're going to pop eighty grand into a house, then hey, yeah, you 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 could. You could do it. Um, well, I don't. It, I don't think forty grand gives you enough to cover the payments, the more the monthly mortgage payments. Like you, no, I don't not know. Not without a sacrifice. Not without what's a huge the sacrifice. typical? It's like five hundred thousand, probably for. Oh, at a minimum. At a yeah. minimum. Well, for a, a condo, maybe mm. maybe one of those ones on Kananaskis Way might be four hundred thousand. Do you oh think? I don't think so. I don't okay. think so. And I mean, it's been a few years since I've actually paid attention yeah. to housing prices. Yeah. But even even when I was looking for, my wife and I were looking for a place back in 2015, you know, we found uh, self-managed uh, units um, just by the school there. Uh, oh, yeah. And they were two-bedroom condo units, fairly small. Um, and they were, asking price was four seventy-five. Oh. That was five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. You can bet your butt what they are now. (laughs) Yeah. Not that. Yeah. Um, Well, and, and maybe, maybe if you and your wife both work, but then mm -hmm. what if you have to pay for childcare? 100%. And that's, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I I agree with you. I agree with you a hundred percent. I guess where I'm, where I was going with the report is that, you know, on paper it says, you know, you could, you could. Your living wage in Canmore is eighteen dollars an hour, but is it really realistic? 
is it really no 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 100% it's not I have no oh. idea how you could ever do that me, me neither <laughs> me neither at least eat properly <laughs> yeah right so, so you know going back thing, to mm-hmm, it's go a ahead. good thing the guy's a cook because then at least they're close <laughs> to where the food is well there you go <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> Chef life. So oh, going yeah. back to TSMV, like I, I think, yeah. uh, I, I think you bring up a good point that even though there is a plan on paper to devote 20% of the development to affordable housing, you know, yeah. how effective is that really going to be in the, in the overall grand scheme? Well, and, and also think about the attitude where a company uh, tells you that with a straight face and you're yeah. then you're supposed to i guess take it seriously like right. like how much faith could you put in that being real or just as we say you know about business well that's just mere puff like that's just for the you know the yeah. plebs mm-hmm. the, the, that's that's not meant to be believed Right, nobody, right. nobody, that's just advertising, right? Right. So I don't know. I think to me that just, you know, really weakens their credibility. And then, then if you look at the the wildlife corridors, they are weird. And there's no way that I can think of to actually make them work okay. for 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 uh, wildlife and. I don't and 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 what I what I see when I when I read their their um, their proposal is a lot of wishful thinking. Okay. Um so it's you know it's it's kind it's kind of um I don't know what the word is it's kind of insulting to to get that kind of Thing. And and I appreciate that they have rights because they have mm-hmm. the property, right? But there is still the public interest that, and I think they're just shining it on. Um, that's what it looks like to me, and it's mm-hmm. it's way too important to um, let those guys get away with that. And I mean the, you know, wildlife and wildlife habitat and nature and all of those good things are what makes tourism work in the Bow Valley, in Kananaskis, in Banff National Park, Mm -hmm. anywhere really in Alberta. And that would be, um, that would be at risk. It's kind of like, a coal mine. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we're hitting all the hot buttons tonight. Why would you want that? You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh man, I don't know. Isn't if we're that have kind of time. old fashioned? <laughs> <laughs> hey, sometimes old fashioned is still relevant in. Uh, in my mind. Oh yeah, classic, yeah. 
classic yeah. really works. And uh, the 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 secret sauce that I had to to get to be a lawyer. I mean, it wasn't just that I was you know super clever because I'm I'm really not. But uh, but I remember me. thinking. Um, this is, you know, Parks Canada. This is my opportunity to do something here. You know, it, okay. it's it didn't come in the way that I thought it might. I kind of thought I might just do a really good job as a gardener, and get, right. a, <laughs> get a better job. But uh, I guess that was I always say, you know, I uh, I couldn't make it as a gardener, so I had to become a lawyer. But um, <laughs> but right. I. Uh, but I remember thinking, oh, you know, this is my opportunity to make a great big fuss. And, you know, obviously my bosses are going to hate me. And uh, but I but I have a chance here and uh, this is a challenge I must rise to. And because I was in a union, Public Service Alliance of Canada okay, at the Cascade Gardens. And right. I, so they. They couldn't actually fire me out of hand, which is what they really wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> so I was able to just put in grievance after grievance until I got this big chunk of yeah. um, uh, so a sort of a surveillance record that they had kept on me for years. Okay, And uh, so in it was revealed that they had created this... Um, poisoned workplace uh, that's what they called it then but now they call it a toxic workplace right. you know just on you know every level you could think of okay. and uh, and so with that proof i put in another super awesome grievance and i uh, you know i started winning and then they they were you know just so embarrassed that they said oh we'll just buy you out and i'm going oh yeah okay i'll take that <laughs> <laughs> Because I thought, you know, it was it was just getting to the point where it was getting just about dangerous to go to work. You know, I just thought, oh, they're, you know, I'm going to have like some handy accident at, at some point because management really? had. Yep. Oh management had set the male workers in the on my crew against me. And then they had sent me they instead of me working in the gardens, they had sent me out into like kind of not the back country, but like away from the, away from anyone else, you know, giving me tools that didn't work and stuff like that. And right. with these two guys who would, uh, you know, then say things that weren't true. So it was, it was a, just a very crude and slightly scary thing to do. So, so when, I, when I got this evidence, I said, you know, I, like I, I got to take this chance or, Okay. You yeah. know, I'm, uh, you know, I, I might, I might not, I might, I might not uh, be safe. You know, they were, they were really uh, just a little scary. Anyway. That's, that's, yeah. I, I mean, waking up dreading to, dreading to go to work because you hate your job is one thing, but when you do well, something you like, but I know, I know gardening yeah. was something that you loved, but I loved the workplace, it. The workplace around you. Yeah. That's and you such know an I um situation to be in. What was I, so now that I'm a criminal defense lawyer or I, or I was I keep thinking yeah. I still am. Um I look back on that and I go that was exactly the kind of context where a crime could happen. 
Right. You know, right. and I'm just going, oh, my goodness. <laughs> but, you know, because, right? you, yep. you know, you, you never you never want a crime to happen because then, you know, someone got hurt or or killed. And and um, and then you're just you're just there trying to figure out, well, whose fault it was. Right. So, yep. you know, anyway, okay. so I'm I'm glad I got I got out of there. And uh, I the one. The one thing that was re- a really beautiful moment, I had to go to the building one day and I ran into one of the management people and, and they said, oh, right, you, you took a course in uh, to be uh, a legal assistant, didn't you, you know, after you left us here? And I said, nope, I'm, uh, I'm a lawyer now. <laughs> 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 oh, her face. Her Sweet face. justice for that one, eh? It- it was, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. And I, uh, and I, you know, like you don't do it for those reasons, no, but it's not out of spite, um, but. but I remember thinking all I ever wanted to do was be a gardener lady, you know, and yeah, yeah. you couldn't do your job and I did it for you. So, you know, so but. you, you've obviously throughout the course of your, of your legal career, you know, you, you've represented the, the underprivileged in the Bow Valley, if that's a fair assessment. Yeah. You know, um, and obviously because of, uh, attorney client privileges or confidentiality, you know, I know you can't share much detail, but was there ever one case that really stood out for you. And I know you, you, you mentioned that you've, you've left very little on the table as far as what you could have done for these folks. Um, but what's that one case that's always in the front of your mind. That's always going to be seared into your, well, my, into your head? my most favorite case was, um, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to think my, mo- Oh yeah. The, the the worst thing that a lawyer can get is an innocent client where you you know that the person is innocent right. and you're just going oh my god i i've got to you know i i can't just get a good resolution or or a good deal i right, i right. have to win for this person so i got um a guy who had been accused of uh a crime, a sex crime against a child. And, uh, it was all very, um, you know, kind of queasy, you know, nobody likes to hear that stuff. And, you know, it's all very serious. And, uh, but I realized that the complainant was lying and I, I said, Oh my goodness. You know, I, I really have to, uh, I really have to pull out all the stops. So, I mean, it may sound boring, but but I went to I went to take a course at uh, Osgood Law School, which is in Toronto. Um, yeah, Osgood Hall. Yeah. Yeah, and mm-hmm. every so often I take you know course you know every lawyer will take little courses. So I took a a, a course that was called Advanced Impeachment because it's it's about you know kind of making them stop lying, right? Right. So. I was able to um, just really use the 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 facts to okay. keep putting to this complainant right. that uh, that they were lying that that this thing didn't happen at all, and the um, the justice that I had 
because uh, I had to go to Queen's Bench because it was you know fairly serious. Okay. Uh, really was very scathing to the complainant who was who you know was um, you know a child, but fifteen years old, so old enough to know that you shouldn't lie. Um, okay. And uh, I re- I remember telling my 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 client you know i i'm going to write you a letter that i i want to i want you to show it to your family uh right. so that they will know that this is what the justice said and this is what uh lacking credibility means it's a polite way of saying that this person is, is lying right and right. uh you know i i want you to show it to anyone uh, you know it's yours you can do whatever you want with it but um you know, because because they had had to go through like two and a half years of waiting and, you know, being treated very poorly by by people, um, you know, and everyone assumed that, of course, they had done it, but but they hadn't. Um, and I don't know, you know, there was, you know, all kinds of legal keys to it, but but the penny dropped for me when I. I'm just going, oh, this RCMP is, you know, they're just so dumb here. <laughs> like, how come I am listening to this and I'm going, oh, no, that definitely did not happen. And this officer is, um, you know, just taking it for real. <laughs> and the same thing right. with the crown, like the crown prosecutor should have known better, too. And I. I think it's because there's there's no downside to the cops uh, for the cops and the prosecutor uh, for for going ahead with a charge. Right. Um, you know, if if it turns out that that there's an acquittal, um, then that's fine. They can just, you know, say, oh, that's that's what the judge decided. And well, life moves on. No, yeah. nobody gets upset with them. Right. So. So they don't have, so their only goal, a prosecutor, is to see if they can convict. And there's supposed to be a test that says, is there a reasonable likelihood of conviction? And to my mind, and at, at that point, I was experienced enough to, to, to be able to see it from the prosecutor's point of view. I said, you know, I, I don't see how the prosecutor can think that they're going to get a conviction on this mess but uh i don't know you know what was the outcome well i yeah i got an acquittal okay of course (laughs) (laughs) and uh you know by by this time i was really not speaking to the prosecutor because i was just enraged that um that they would go ahead with um this kind of a charge when they had to know they weren't going to get a conviction, you know? Right. Right. So I, I just, yeah, it was, you know, <laughs> interesting, interesting. I can't remember. I, I would, I would usually keep my temper around, uh, you know, prosecutors, but I do remember once I said, you cow. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. But, but, you know, it, 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 um, it, 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 like I was, you know, I think about that, that client, um, 
just being so alone and so, um, uh, what's the word? So, uh, I don't know, disrespected, disliked, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, despised really. And by his family and, it, you know, it's so even, I even, don't know. That, even, even the own family was against your client. Yes. These are her own yes. family, whoever it was. Be, yeah, because, wow. because they believed the complainant because, you know, why wouldn't you? Right. I mean, there, there was all kinds of reasons that were very bad why they shouldn't have believed this, okay. but they did, you know, and it was just kind of handy to blame this poor guy. Anyway. So, <laughs> wow. Well, but, and I mean the, yeah. the 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 subject matter in itself, yeah, is it's tough to talk about, and and even to get into the the fine details of it, you know. Yes, and because because nobody wants to hear of of a, a no. an innocent child being, you know, uh, sexually assaulted. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the sad truth is, sometimes people lie. So. And and that's the scary part, you know, and it just convolutes the whole process of, you know, of justice because people will take advantage of that very system that's set up to protect them in the first place. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's very, very interesting. Um, it's well, interesting and, and sad all at the same time, you know, and, and when I guess to kind of switch gears here a little bit and, um, you know, you've obviously spent most of your life in, in, in the legal world. What made you, you know, start getting into politics? Because uh, that's obviously oh, a forum where yeah. we connected. Yeah, I kind of had. I, I think it, it feels like I've always been, you know, as I used to say, uh, I've always been a socialist. But right. I, 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 I don't say that anymore because a, a socialist has become kind of a this cheap, polarized. Um, political term and i it's kind of too bad but you know i guess well, that I, happens sometimes. I agree because i i mean i i just think that the term is very misunderstood yeah and very mis- misunderstood as a result of the context of history and yeah I, and, and i don't think i'm intelligent enough to to start a debate on ideology you know political ideology but you know, when people say communism, this communism, that like communism has never actually been actualized in our lifetime ever, never. And socialism isn't communism. Exactly. Well, that's <laughs> just that it. The, the, that's just what I mean. But, but, but a lot of people who don't understand it think that they're yeah. one in the same. Yeah. Some people say that one is a precursor to another and that's why I don't want to get into it. Cause I don't even know yeah. about it myself, but you're right. Yeah. People just think it's a bad word in politics. And if you say socialism, ah, yeah. you're trying to take me over. You're trying to, yeah. you know, take over my life. Oh yeah. And, and there's deadbeats somewhere who <laughs> right. are looking for free money, yeah. you know, and oh, anyway, mm-hmm. um, it, well, but you know, it's very human to, uh, to want to talk about politics because right. government often can be a source of exactly what you need. Like, for example, I'm getting my vaccine shot tomorrow. I'm very excited. And I'm going, this is just the one job that government should do. I really don't want capitalism to be supplying vaccine for me. Thank you very much. You know, I I want it. 
I want everyone to get a vaccine that that wants one. And I Mm -hmm. I want everyone to want a vaccine, (laughs) you know, to trust the system. Right. And um, so I. I, you know, like a lot of women are feminists, but I remember hearing this, uh, you know, way of um, sort of encouraging women to say, well, what would you think about this if you were nine? And I remember back to when I was nine and I was thinking, you know, uh, you know, people say I'm smart, but I don't want to do anything that's going to help some guy who's going to be in front of me getting all the reward and I'm going to be in the back doing all the work and getting right. no credit. And, you know, I, I, I say that, you know, as an adult and as a nine-year-old, it wasn't so clear, but I remember feeling pretty churlish about the whole thing and I could see what was going to happen. Right. And I'm going, whatever, else there is, I, I want to try that. So um, when I came to Alberta, I remember thinking, beautiful province, weird politics. Right. Uh, yeah. And I yeah. met uh, a whole bunch of local uh, union members, all from different um, different unions. Right. And we, uh, we were in the... Um, the local, it was Banff, Banff Cochrane then, Banff Cochrane uh, Constituency Association. So we, I think it was about 10 of us, we kind of made a vow that we were going to have the biggest campaigns we could possibly muster, both federally and provincially, uh, until we won. And so we did. <laughs> and wow. and okay. let me tell you, uh, uh, you know, my, my friends are we're still happy like that evening in 2015 was amazing i remember you know getting up as usual and thinking oh yeah i guess i'll make uh, a cheesecake today for our our little party you know and we'll watch it on tv and then uh, the party told me no you have to go to to calgary to the big main party um you know, because there'll be media and stuff. And I'm going, well, why do I have to go? You know, because my my candidate was doing pretty well. And I'm going, okay, well, my candidate can go. But why do I have to go? And, uh, you know, so and they said, no, no, you have to go. And you, and you can only have one beer. <laughs> 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 and it was a light beer. So I'm going. So when I yeah. got there, there was this amazing feeling. And we started winning. And all I could hear was people screaming. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> like the winds just kept coming. And my candidate won. And we were amazed. And I remember walking around just looking at, you know, people I've been working with for like a quarter century going, right. <laughs> what are we going to do? And then I said, Man. well, we do have a lot of policy, you know.
So going back to, 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 to politics for a bit, or at least your political yeah. background. So you, uh, you, you had to go to the, to, to the main party and yeah. you were only allowed to drink one beer and a light beer adding insult yes. to injury. Eh? <laughs> I remember thinking like, what do you think I'm going to do? <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't have the bud, just have a butt light. Well, okay? what was, um, Oh gosh, I remember, I remember seeing one, one couple, you know, like that are just, I don't know if you're in the NDP for a long time, you know, like there's a lot of hippies and, uh, and they were, and I was saying, you know, like they said, wear like your, you know, best clothes. Right. And, uh, and my friend was just going, Nope. I'm wearing every button I ever had. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's amazing. And it wouldn't be out of place, actually. It probably wouldn't be out of place. Yeah, I I guess. <laughs> no, no, she, she they definitely wouldn't be out of place in an NDP yeah. function. Yeah, that, but this yeah. was, you know, like not all of a sudden it had turned into not really a regular NDP got function. It, got like, it. Okay. <laughs> so Gosh, you were, you yeah. were, so you were, uh, so you were, we're talking the 2015 election, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 So because you were, I, I figured mm-hmm. that was, that was the high point after okay. that. Like I didn't need to do anything anymore. I could actually retire from politics. Right. And I, you know, I'm, I just kind of keep interested because I want you know, I, I want there to be, you know, the, the experience around so I can say, oh, please don't do that. <laughs> you know, well, but, it's needed. Um, it's totally needed. 100%. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but, but the other kind of, you know, it's not really a cliche, but it's the, it's the kind of thing that, you know, we, we always remind ourselves in the NDP. It, it, the youth is the future of the party. And so we want to welcome in, Young people, new ideas, new people, uh, people of any kind. Like, I don't want to be doing this, you know, kind of forever because Mm. I I want there to be new blood and I I want there to be, you know, lots of new people. Um, I, I can feel myself kind of resisting that because because you've probably noticed that you know a lot of the the oomph in our um, campaign was came from that union uh, way of thinking, which is right, um, right. which is very strong. Like it, it's always a struggle, you know, and you just kind of get used to it, right? Mm-hmm. And for people that aren't used to the struggle, it can seem really. Uh, um, just kind of, well, why would you do that? And you're going, because we want to win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like every day, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, how do I win? And, um, so how did you it, get into that role of being a campaign manager? And, and, and we're talking, like, well, how, how did you fall into that? I guess. I, well, it, 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 like the 10 of us, I think, I think I think it's nine or ten of us. Um, right. All of us could run a campaign, like like we just we did so many that and and we learned from a very uh, a very skilled uh, 
woman. Uh, she was one of the table officers for uh, uh, Cup W, which is the Canadian Union of Postal Workers. Okay. And the postal workers are uh, what's called a militant union. And that's okay. because the management is very much like um, uh, an army. So okay. if you're gonna if you're gonna be in the struggle on those guys, then you have to be very disciplined. I so uh, Cindy McCallum taught us all and showed us all how to run uh, a really good campaign. And when I say table officer for people that don't know what that means, that meant that she was on the national board or the national group that runs the postal union. Okay. And uh, so that means that, like, normally people for that, the workers would come from Montreal or Vancouver or, you know, Halifax, like really big cities, the biggest cities in Canada. But she came from Banff, which kind of shows you how impressive she was. Right, right. Um, so, so all of us from that time, that was from the late 80s, like, like I think we had her for maybe ten years. Um, so we we did, you know, we did a campaign pretty much every couple of years, like federal okay. and provincial, and yep. uh, and we we all of us learned how to be a candidate, how to be a campaign manager, voter contact, um, sign person, <laughs> which is very important, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Uh, and data entry and so we're you know we can we can all we can all of us do it and um and then you know there's tons of bells and whistles you can add money you can add a lot of technology and and right now things have really changed because you you can't do door-to-door canvassing you have to do phone canvassing and that's going to go on for a while because honestly people People already think it's weird that a stranger would come to the door, but during an election, they kind of expect it. But okay. but right yeah. now, you don't expect anyone to come to your door. No, not at all. Unless it's you know maybe a delivery or or you know you've had some kind of notice. Um. So. And, yeah. I, and who's to say that's that that won't change? I mean, people. I, I think of me. You know, I, I'm obviously not, I wouldn't consider myself youth, far from that, actually. But, you know, we live in an age where, you know, you, you, you text somebody while you're waiting outside their door instead of just knocking on the door, you know, yeah. and, and oh, people right. have come to, yeah, and people have come to expect that as normal now. And if you just randomly knock on somebody's door, you know, it's, it's just, you don't expect it anymore, at least, you know, from a, from a certain generational point of view. So, you know, once the pandemic, you know, is over and done with whenever that may be, you know, door canvassing, and I'm just saying this off on a tangent, it may not be the same anymore. It may not be. Oh, I, it, it's definitely, it, I mean, it always does sort of prove itself because it is a lot harder for someone to be rude to you when they see your face. Totally. Yeah. That, <laughs> like we know this there. from we know yeah. this from social media, right? But um that's very true. It's just a lot harder, you know, to you know, to well, I mean the pandemic just makes it you cannot do it. But um but it 
but it takes so much more time because you actually have to walk around. And there's some right. there's some places that you will never be able to uh, knock on someone's door. And and those are like, you know, the really big properties where it's an acreage or um, uh, even buildings where there's like layers of, um, I don't know, I think of it as unfriendliness, but you know, where, the, you know, there's a buzzer and you have to have a code and, you know, you, you can't just knock on someone's door. Um, you know, that's, that's like a whole thing in itself, getting into uh, big buildings, right? Because you, yeah. you have a, a legal duty to talk to people when you're, when there's a political campaign on, right, right. but um, boy, people sometimes feel like it's an intrusion, but it's not, it's democracy calling. <laughs> it, it, it is. Yeah. I mean, it, you can't argue with that, but I guess, yeah. you know, there's, there's probably in, and I'll go out on a limb and say this, that they don't understand that it is part of the democratic process to do that. Yeah. And, but, uh, so, yeah, and, and you're, you're trying to have a one minute conversation with someone, right? So yeah. you don't want to spend your precious time arguing about, well, I have nope. a right to canvas you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> So it's like, oh my god! Um, no, I know. Yeah. And anyway, so so that's why the, you know, I've I've started to come to love phone canvassing. Okay. Right. How yep. how did, how are you liking it? I I actually love it. So when I uh, when when I started volunteering to do it, um, you know, I for me it was very exploratory in nature. You know, yeah. I felt that you know, perhaps I'm not informed enough and reading news and media and various other outlets is really only one side of the equation. Right. And, you know, what are the people, what are the people saying? And, um, I think that's what intrigued me the most. And, and in some sort of weird way, I was very much looking forward to getting yelled at because <laughs> who knew who I was going to call and, you know, saying, hi, I'm Brent. I'm calling on behalf of the ANDP and then just let him rip you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. I haven't encountered yeah. that yet but that that to me was actually intriguing because you know I guess the whole reason why I started this podcast in particular um was because I'm very intrigued about change and all right. the facets about change and, and how people accept it disregard it ignore it and you know you can't affect change without understanding all sides of the coin so to speak so right. with with that philosophy that's what what really you know intrigued me to do phone canvassing and i find to kind of get to the the, the to answer your question you know people want to talk about it and you know as, you, as long as you approach it in in the right way people yeah. want to be heard and they're not necessarily looking for a solution they don't want you to give them the answer although maybe some of them do but they just want to talk about it and be heard and have somebody there to listen so it's well, been quite enlightening it, for me yeah, like I say, right now, people's minds, well, people's minds are focused in an election campaign. You know, they, yeah, yeah. people will think about politics. But right now, I think it's even more because people are at home. You know, they've been ordered to be at home if they can. Yeah, uh, yeah. Some of them have to be at home. And and so they're really turning to government to get this thing done. And it's not like it's just get a vaccine. It's, you know, all of the restrictions. Um, 
you know, and people have opinions on that. So you bet they want to be heard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I guess, you know, a a lot of people that I've talked to, um, they've, they've mentioned the pandemic in in some shape or form, but I think, you know, they've just come to accept that it is what it is. And, you know, they're just going to have to, they're they're just going to have to wait. But I mean, I, I'm on the campaign of, of supporters and just trying to renew support, right. I haven't really joined any other campaigns where, you know, you might be getting differing opinions, but, um, well, I, I, it's, it's fun. You know, everyone has their, their, their different feelings, but I, I felt it was kind of, Hmm. I, I didn't want to talk to the supporters because I'm almost a hundred percent sure that they're going to still be supporters because, you know, our, our, the NDP vote is very strong. I mean, right now. Yeah. We're like, what exactly? Once you figure it out right now, you're, you're not likely to go to want to vote ucp right <laughs> it is but the, the the funny part is is that you know contacting previous support i mean we're, we're talking two years back now yeah yeah so and and obviously the trajectory of our current government is is making our cause even that much well i, I don't want to say easier but advantageous yeah. you know for yeah. the future there's still yeah. some that would they're not sure Yes, I voted NDP in the last election, but I'm yeah. just not sure right now. And I've, I've really? got a lot more wow. of those responses. And uh-huh. some are like, yep, I want to vote, but I'm not going to donate, which, I mean, I'm a rookie at this, so I don't know if that's just a yeah. normal thing. That you hear well, all the time. you know, in, in Banff Cochrane, we never cared about the money right. because, uh, it, like, who cares, right? We really just want your vote. I mean, we'd like yep. a lawn sign, too. Yeah, <laughs> just a patch but, of land. Um, but yeah. but I was gonna say I much prefer talking to the more conservative end of the riding because I am really curious what how those people are possibly going to maintain voting for the UCP, and right. you know they tie themselves up in knots. They it's it's just a rich field of. Um, uh, surprises, you know, like, yeah. like, obviously, they're very upset with the UCP. Um, and, and they'll say, you know, they're disappointed with the pandemic, how the pandemic has been handled. And there was this one evening where they, they oh, it must have been after the budget where they were saying, but we voted for balance, we didn't get balance. And I'm going, what are you talking about? I'm going over oh, the budget, they wanted the budget to be balanced. Well, they did not get that. Nope, they and, um, Well, in a pandemic, when, you know, so many people aren't working, you want it balance. <laughs> well, and, really? I, and I think even even, you know, balanced is is certainly the word. Um, you know, my my own interpretation of that budget, just to kind of talk about that right. for a second, you know, it was very much an austerity, austerity no budget, yeah. right? 
but they they failed to grasp the real problem in my mind which was a revenue problem so there was yeah. no there was no mention no strategy no vision about how are we going to supplement this loss in revenue you know yeah. for whatever reason because of the pandemic no it was just cut 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 this is what we need to do and so on and so forth so that to me was was a really really big let down and i don't think that budget would have fl- would have flown with any conservative supporter and i'm i'm sure i'm naive by saying that but i mean how can you how can you support that how could you support that budget regardless of the regardless of the circumstances i don't know yeah well uh, it, people in the more conservative end of the riding were definitely not happy right and and then I'm I'm also assuming that people in uh, you know like you know Canmore Banff uh, area would also be upset because like you say they never address the revenue problem right and and that is going to really hurt people and right now government should be there one one hundred percent. No, not not yeah, definitely not in the way that we want them to be. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you can you can argue the the various business grants and the critical care benefit, which is a disaster, by the way, in my opinion. But um, like, it's just not meaningful. It's not relevant. It's not applicable to what's what's going on within our four walls of the province. It's uh, it's just daft. It's really really interesting. Yeah. Um, so I guess to to switch gears a little bit, kind of back to you, and yes. you know, you, you so and correct me if I'm wrong. So you obviously you've been a campaign manager. You've run yourself, have you not? Yes, and and I always say, I mean, it was you know a great honor, obviously, right? But 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 like I say, it's because um, uh, I, I I started I started to know the issues and I started to know the the riding. And, um, uh, in fact, when I would canvas, people would open the door and say, oh, it's you, <laughs> <laughs> Nice. which I remember thinking, you know, that's kind of a compliment, right? Totally. So it be, because, um, you know, I was always so interested, um, I would get asked to be the candidate, but, but. And and that's what that's what always happens to women. They get asked. They they don't say, "Oh yeah, no, I want to be a candidate. I'm going to bug everybody until you know they 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 decide to vote for me." Right. Um, which is it's kind of sad in a way, but I think it's it's and it's sad because it's it's harder for women to win in just about anything. Right. And uh, like even being a lousy gardener, God, I tried for 30 <laughs> years, dude. Oh, oh my God. But um, so so it it wasn't like I thought, oh, I'm doing this uh, because I want to win. I right. I'm do I'm doing it for the party. Right. OK. And. The last time I ran, I I was asked to run in Calgary Foothills against the premier. That was Jim Prentice. And I said, oh, good Lord. Like, is there no one in Calgary who will do this? They said. 
Wow, well, we okay. haven't asked everybody. And <laughs> but I'm going, oh, I, you know, but but then I realized that, you know, again, it was kind of a compliment because and I should have seen this coming. Um, it, it, they they wanted there to be someone there that they could rely on who would do a good job in right. a forum. So I mopped the floor with him. And I'm just going, <laughs> oh, every time I look down at my notes, I'm going, there is another telling blow. You know, and, and poor Mr. Prentice to me that evening was every bad boss I've ever had. <laughs> oh, no way. <laughs> so, yeah. So any anyway, so when he, when he, he, I mean, he did win for sure. Like he, I think he got. 41% of the vote, which is enough to win. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I got like 33%, I think. I, I don't I don't go by numbers too often, but I remember thinking, well, that was pretty good. Okay. Yep. But I did tell my dad, you know, he was going, oh, you did so well. I'm going, well, I didn't win, dad. He goes, well, it's true. You didn't win, but he lost. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Remember, he wouldn't even take his seat. He just quit right there. Yep. Yep. That's right. So, so, so anyway, my, my whole purpose in being the candidate was to be helpful to the party, right? you know, and, uh, because I, I I could not kid myself like it, you know, I have to, you know, I have to support my family and I have to, you know, make some money. And in order to be a candidate, it's getting to the point where you need to have, well, you need to have uh, a public profile. You need to have accomplishments. Um, and you need to have some time to do, uh, you know, some candidate work. And I just never really had uh, the, the time to do that, which is kind of a good thing, Brent, because really, I'm not a very extroverted person. Like you kind of have to put on a show when you're yep. criminal defense counsel, but 100%, yep. in a trial, you are in control of the script. You're probably not in control of the actors, but you know, like hopefully you can think on your feet and you know, the law and you know, you know where your weak points are and, and mm-hmm. all of that good stuff. But so so I can do that, you know, and I really like it. But it's it's it, you really do have to be very disciplined and also very uh, really I think extroverted to be uh to be a candidate that is going to be successful. Like I, right. I don't want to, to all the introverts out there. No, I, I don't, I don't mean it, but it, but, but I, I found it, I found it quite, um, I'm just going, I, I, I really can't do a good enough job on this that I think I should sink any more of my time and money into it. If, if okay. you see what I mean, like getting to law school was hard, uh, getting to be, uh, you know, developing Banff Cochran into a winnable writing for me, mm. I was pretty sure I wasn't going to be able to do it, you know? Okay. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's good to try, but, uh, I always thought I want training as a campaign manager 
so that because it was it was actually easier to get a candidate than it was to get a cam- a good campaign manager. So I I went mm. to BC and I took some training in okay. some of the big campaigns so I could get even more skills in a bigger campaign. And um and then 2015 happened, you know. So I remember thinking, yeah, that was um that was actually the the right way to go about it. Like you really have to you know, take the long game, the long mm-hmm. view. And uh, so when people tell me, oh, it was just an accident, I go, yeah, 25 year accident, buddy. Don't, be talk- <laughs> Don't you be talking to me about an accident. <laughs> right. Forget the momentum that you've I been building for a while. Yeah, 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 totally. Oh, wow. And so now, you know, you're, uh, you're, you're retired, you're at home, you're, you're making a move now, eh? Yes, I'm going to. Well, I, you know, I'm never really sure this is going to happen because, but, you know, now that we're, you know, people are getting the vaccine, I, I'm hoping things will be so much better. Although I don't think the coverage enough is enough that we can really count on that. But yet, um, no. yes, we're moving from Alberta. I'm going to, we're going to live in Quebec, uh, Montreal, a big, nice. beautiful city, you know. How's your French? My French is absolutely terrible. Uh, <laughs> I, at one point, I kind of saw, sort of spoke French, but but I mean that's something you know that's a challenge and that's something that I want to learn and it'll be okay. so much fun. Oh, I, I think it will. Yeah, I I have to say that being a gardener was great, mm-hmm. but I always wanted an intellectual challenge. So when I, when I had to go to law school, I remember thinking, well, I'm, I'm very excited by this. I I think I can do this. (laughs) You know, it's very serene to be a gardener and you use your imagination and creativity and all that. And you have to be, you have to have stamina and all that. But, you know, sadly, you don't use your mind as much as I would have wanted to. I see. So, I see. Well, the yeah. way you, you know, I guess the the best way to say it is how you you transition from your career of being a gardener to a lawyer. Yes. I mean, the situation yes. leading up to that was probably yeah. a, a subconscious foreshadowing of what you probably should have been doing. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? I, yeah. yeah, I like to think that you know I made good trouble, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a I'm a fan of good trouble. I'm with you there. I love it. And, and and I mean to be serious, I think I think disruption is is very 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 necessary. Um, yeah. Not because it's it, it can be cool and romantic, and it you know it's it's kind of li- aligned with the struggle, so to speak. Yeah, it can be a, a huge vehicle for change. It can be a huge vehicle for for evolution and innovation. Um, and, and I think it's, it's absolutely necessary every so often to just, you know. Yes. Mm-hmm. Cause I never really wanted to be a feminist cause I mean, you really don't get paid. It's not a job. Right. Right. But, um, I, when I, when I look back, it was, it was really very necessary that, um, that, that, you know, women's rights be, uh, on the job, be expanded and, you know that like let that's not the only human rights issue that there is but that's the one that you know was plopped on my plate and i'm going oh i guess i guess this is me mm-hmm. but um anyway right so on. i am i'm going to be very interested to see 
what happens in Alberta. I mean, we we talked a little bit about um, the three sisters, right? We did, but yeah. also yeah. the coal policy and mm. the pandemic, and so. But I mean, that's not even you know to scratch the surface of all the political issues that. No, those are the headlines right now. In this in this day, you know, give it a couple months, three months, you know, who else? I, I, you know, one of the questions I actually wanted to ask you. So, you know, we kind of talked about, you know, a lot of the uh, controversy surrounding Three Sisters Mountain Village. Uh, how do you think it's going to end? Like, you know, <sighs> I don't know. You know, you know, it's it's funny. I was um, I was thinking about that. Um, the, the challenge to the federal carbon tax. Right. And, you know, I'm a lawyer and I'm going, oh, this is baloney. Why are they spending time on this? And then I'm going, well, you just never know. <laughs> so, <laughs> what if, right? Like, it, I mean, I don't think the Supreme Court is crazy, but no, you never know. So anyway, so I, I think, I think, I think like that about the three sisters, I, I know most of the people on council. Uh, I don't think they're crazy. I think they understand how valuable the environment is, how difficult the, the, the social context is to, to live in Canmore. It's terribly expensive. And yet, you know, we love it. We want to protect it. But, um, so I, I look at, you know, I kind of count up, you know, how could, these people vote. And so that's one way of looking at it. But another way of looking at it is, mm-hmm. are these people tempted to make amendments or suggest amendments to this, these ASPs? And I'm going, well, I, I just don't see how you can amend this, these ASPs so that they work. I, I cannot think how to do that. And mm-hmm. I've, I've lived here since 1979. And, you know, I'm an imaginative right. person. I like to think I'm open-minded. And um, mm-hmm. I'm just going, I don't see how they can do it. But but I think, I think council, you know, may be tempted to try, which I think would be terrible. Um, okay. First of all, because I don't think you're going to make that housing affordable, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is clearly such a distortion of the NRCB decision, right? Okay, because um, it's supposed to be a resort and tourism development, not a darn condo development. Like, yeah, not not a pure that real estate. That was not what it was yeah. supposed yeah. to be, and uh, and and but the most. Obviously, the most important thing is this is really screwing up uh, wildlife movement. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, if you think, well, how is a grizzly bear going to move through Canmore? Wow. <laughs> you know, how is an elk going to move through Canmore? Right. It's uh, it's going to be hard. And and with this um, with this development, I I think it's going to be impossible. So, um, I guess it's I, anybody's, it's anybody's guess at this point, right? I mean, well, I, you know, there's, there's going to be second reading where maybe there'll be some amendments. Um, and then I guess third reading and then the vote, but I don't know. I'm looking at those, 
counselors and I'm I I can't imagine that they they could a- approve this but mm-hmm. in any form but I mean I I and I know that their job is to try <laughs> yeah yeah but but <laughs> I mean I mean at its purest sense and and I'll approach it from you know an uneducated standpoint like you know there is definitely a, a need for additional housing in the Bow Valley but then kind of once you get into the nitty-gritty of how that's achieved I think that's you know that's that's the big issue here um you know how meaningful is that housing going to be? How responsible is it going to be? You know, it's clearly not ticking off all the check boxes as far as environmental stewardship, wildlife stewardship. And, and, and I don't know, like, can our current infrastructure even handle it, you know, from a water sewage, you know, power perspective? Yeah, there's, I mean, that, that alone, transportation, that alone is a a huge can of worms for council. Mm Hmm. I guess one of the other things is, are people there going to really live there, or is this just going to be more second homes? Yeah, is this you know, an in which case, do I really care? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> <laughs> like that just seems to be greed, you know. And yeah. yeah. So it's not worth it. Yeah. But um, yeah. on the Who other knows? hand, they have yeah. rights. <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody has rights in some shape or form. It's, uh, that's that's, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I meant property rights, which yeah. wasn't, you know, my favorite, my favorite thing. So. <laughs> <Right> <laughs> well, and we're gonna we're gonna wrap yep. things up here All right. uh, a little bit. Hey, thanks so much for your time. It was it was awesome chatting with you again. Oh, super and super fun. Yeah, it was yeah. Uh, it was great. I actually really, really, really enjoy chatting with you I, mm-hmm. for the for the few times that we have. I, I enjoy your perspective, and yeah. and frankly, I've never really had honest conversation with a lawyer before. <laughs> to be to be raw about well, it, so it, it's great. It, it, you know, I I I I know I know that that lawyers sometimes have a a reputation, mm-hmm. but I I you know I. You know, people think that, and then then there comes a time when they they need a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and right? I hope, I hope that the that the reality is is better than the the reputation. <laughs> well, in this case, it certainly is. It certainly is. All right, All right and friend. I'm going to let you go. Thanks yeah. so much for your time tonight. That was lovely. Yeah, I it was lovely. We do it again soon. Well, that's the end of tonight's episode, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening. I'd like to give a big shout out and credit to Ixon, Midnight, Carmen Maria, Edu Espinal, Anno Domini, and Offshane for providing tonight's music. If you would like to hear us talk about a particular topic or you want to be a guest on this brand new podcast, you can find me, Brent Cedaram, on Facebook at Brent Cedaram or on Instagram at bcedaram or simply visit us at zranu.com. That's www.xranue.com. Stay safe, stay strong, be well, and stay healthy. Good night, everyone.